Bart Francisone, Retirement Benefits and Ministerial Housing Allowance. So good, thank you for coming. It's nice to see a mix here, because usually it's people that are, I'll get a call, I'm gonna retire next month, what should I do? And it, this guy's the only guy that's really in the right place here, because he's, he's thinking about it now. I hate to sing you out, but you know, that's when you're supposed to do it. I didn't do it, so you know, I'm preaching to the choir here on this. But anyway, uh, we'll go through a little bit about what retirement's all about. I went to a seminar that, that Fidelity held, and that, that would be the, ne the next slide, Rachel. Um, it, it is, it, I think a lot of people look toward retirement, but, but what does it really mean? You know, retirement, are you really going to just stop working, right? Are you just going to be changing what you do? Um, and it is a decision driven by the fact that you're now eligible for Medicare or Social Security benefits and things like that? Or is it a decision just based on, you know, what you think God's mission is for your life? Um, also, your spouse, you know, together, where are you headed? You know, if, if you've been in ministry for 30 years and, you know, your spouse has been dying to go back to a certain life or experience something that she's been holding off on for 30 years. I mean, what does that mean for, for your direction in retirement? So there's a lot to think about as you contemplate retirement, you know, beyond the financial side, which we're going to cover here. Um, on the next slide, again, just, just to highlight some of the things you need to think about as, as you come toward retirement. Uh, you know, your work gives you personal fulfillment. You know, it's nice to be in the midst of people making decisions and planning, and then when it, it suddenly is going to change, what, what might that do to your personal identity and your, your, your emotional status and, and things like that as, as you make the transition? Obviously, financial considerations are, are significant. Uh, availability of health care, you know, if you're Medicare eligible but your spouse is not, somebody's got to cover those, those benefits potentially if you're going to fully retire. Now, just, just a little sidebar on that. If you're receiving benefits from the EPC and in your, your terms of call, you're given family coverage, just because you might move to Medicare at 65, it doesn't mean your spouse and any dependents are now gone. I mean, they're still gonna be able to be covered you know, by the EPC benefit program. So that, that doesn't go away if, if you transition in that fashion, because we have that sometimes. Sometimes a spouse will become Medicare eligible if they're in a small church, a small employer with less than 20 full-time employees, okay, is not obligated to provide benefits beyond the, the Medicare retirement age, or the, the Medicare eligibility age. So if your church is a small employer, and that's a regulation, which defines you as less than 20 full-time equivalent employees, when you become Medicare eligible, you can move to Medicare, take the burden of that cost off of your church, and then let the federal government pay for it. And, but your dependents would continue to be covered. If you're in a large church, 20 or more employees, same thing with any, any employer, they need to continue to cover everyone until they, they fully retire. So just a little piece of information, kind of aside from, from the retirement costs here. Yes, it, it does, right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and, and then the whole idea, you might think about how you want to phase out of working. Do you want to just you know, cut it off? Do you want to mentor a little bit? Do you want to hang around so everybody gets irritated to, that you're still there after your, <laughs> after your successor has come in? 
Um, the other element which I've thought about more lately is, you know, sometimes you start getting some diminished mental capacity as you, as you age, you know, and you, you know, you can't think as clearly and you can't be as aggressive with your communication and, and maybe there just comes a time where you have to phase yourself out. So uh, there are just a few things to think about. You, you can jump ahead to two slides, Rachel. By the way, uh, incidentally, Social Security benefits Full eligibility varies depending on your birth date, so that's another element you, you want to consider. I think I'm like 66 years and four months, but it, it could be a little later before you're, you're eligible for full security benefits depending on how young you are. So that's, that's something to be aware of, at least when you're planning your, your finances, because you're going to get that Social Security income coming in, in addition to your retirement income. Do, do you know what Social Security is? You'll be 90. Yeah, yeah, right, that's by the time you get there. Um, okay, so I'll t I want to talk a little bit about how we manage the plan. Now our chairman of the Benefit Resources Board is here, so he's, he's going to keep me honest in this, but um, our plan is very well managed. Uh, we have a, a retired pastor who heads up our investment committee who's responsible for, you know, the retirement plan in general. We have a national consultant who meets with us quarterly, who analyzes all of our funds and how they're performing, how the managers are performing, how those funds are performing compared to other funds in the same category, um, as well as, uh, what was the other piece that I was gonna say? It, essentially, you know, they look at, and, and the fees, the fees are very important too. And, and the way things have been going for us, are, are we have good fees, we have fees based on you know, institutional rates because we have a couple hundred million dollars in our retirement plan. So you've got the best, lowest fees that we can find in the best performing funds. We're very careful about that, okay? Between the investment committee, the consultant, we also work with Merrill Lynch with other investments. So we have our finger on the pulse of what's happening in the financial markets. We're watching the funds that you have the ability to invest in constantly. So you're, you're in good hands between the investment committee and the board and myself and the other professional advice that we receive. And, and that's why occasionally we'll, we'll shift a fund or we'll make a change based on finding a better performing fund, maybe with better fees and better management and, and so on. In terms of enrolling, most of you are probably already enrolled. The, the process is simple. You work with your church, you work with Fidelity, you submit your information to enroll, but I, I think most of you are already in the plan, so that's, that's not that big of an issue. If you're, you came from somewhere else, or if you have funds somewhere else in another retirement plan, an IRA, a 403B, 401K, whatever, you can roll those funds into your EPC retirement plan and have them all together if you'd like, okay? And keep in mind, this is not a pension plan like you might have had with PCUSA or something, okay? This is your account, okay? This is your money. You, you choose how to manage it, or you can ask Fidelity to professionally manage it for you. So you have those choices, and you can roll money into this fund. When you retire, you can leave your money in this fund. You don't need to move it someplace else, and, and that's just important to be aware of. In terms of choosing funds, uh, do, do most of you know where your funds are invested right now? They just show hands, everybody. Good, so, so you're looking. There, there's actually about 20% of the people in our plan have never logged into their account. So 
I, I don't know what they know. <laughs> they might be pleasantly surprised because most of our accounts grew by about 26% in the past 14 months. Okay, it's just, it's just amazing what, what happened after the, the big COVID dip and then it just, just has gone crazy. So if you haven't looked in a while, you might be pleasantly surprised. In terms of choosing where you invest, most people put it in what we call our target date funds. So if you're planning to retire in 10 years, you'd likely have your money in the 2030 target date fund. What, what year do you think yours would be in? Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Never even entered your mind. I think we just brought two, is it 2055 or 65 we just brought in? We, we just added another five-year increment. I don't, yeah, I think it's 60 or 65. So I, I don't know that I'll ever see that. But So basically, a target date fund automatically invests based on your age and how you should be invested. Okay, So at the younger ages, it invests more aggressively, more in equities. Okay, as you, as you age, it gradually moves you into more conservative funds. So there's a 20% dip in the stock market. You don't have all your money in equities. You're not going to lose 20% of your retirement value, you know, like that. Okay, so that, that's the purpose of the, the, the target date funds. We also have what we call the core asset funds. We have 23 funds in all that you, you can choose from. We have what you call the core asset class funds, which would be basically a, a pure money market fund where it's just stable. It's hardly earning anything, but it, but it sits there, and you don't have to worry about ever losing anything. But you don't want to necessarily bury your, 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 your what's that, the parable? Bury, bury yours and bring back the same amount. Um, but you have fixed income, which is much more stable, but lower returns. You have equities where you can invest in stock funds, mutual funds, things like that, that are going to have, over time, a higher return. But in the short term, you have the volatility. The other thing we offer is a self-directed brokerage link. If you want to play the market, if you want to pick and choose from pretty much any fund that's out there, you can actually take your money and through this brokerage link invest in a particular stock or a particular fund that we don't offer as one of our 23 funds. So that's something to consider if you have some investment savvy and understanding, but I would not recommend it if you're focused on ministry and you're not keeping your finger on the pulse of what's happening out there in the marketplace. The other question often comes to me as, as well is that you can make contributions too in addition to what the church is contributing. All right? and I'll, I'll mention a little bit later what the limits are on that. But if your church is contributing a certain percentage of your salary, you can also make additional contributions through payroll withholdings if you would like to, uh, depending on if you've got excess cash and you want to you put it aside. Okay? So there, there are some options that you have there. Is that taxable? You can choose, and I'll get to that, you can choose whether you want it taxed or not when it goes in. That, that would be your choice, and, and, and I'll get to that. But you can put it in, and when we get to ministerial housing allowance a little bit later, whether you put it in or the church puts it in, you can still use those funds to, to offset your taxes if you use them for housing expenses after you retire. Okay, and I'll get, I'll get more into detail with that. But it doesn't matter whether the church put it in or you put it in, that, that's the point here. Right. Okay, we get, you can flip over to the next one there. Thanks, Rachel. Step ahead. Uh, so here's the point I made earlier. Some people rarely look at their accounts, and I think you should periodically log on just, just to see what's going on. Um, 
there are a lot of ways, a lot of information you can get when you log in your account. And you can just, just run down the list there. You can check your balances. You can look at the different funds you have your money in and see how those funds have been performing. Okay. You can change your investments. Just because you made a decision 10 years ago, it doesn't mean you can't go in and say, okay, I want to move to this target date fund or I want to take a chunk of this out. Like, you know, maybe 14 months ago, you could have bought Pfizer uh, stock or something, and you probably would have been way up there, but who knew, right? Um, you can also check and change your beneficiaries. I think the last I talked to Fidelity, one in seven people haven't designated a beneficiary. So you're, if something happens to you, you're in deep trouble if your wife finds out you forgot to put her name down there as, her, as a beneficiary. Uh, you can also check and change personal information. We've got some missing people that I guess never bothered to change their address when they moved. We don't have an email address, so we're always out searching. I think we've got about 70 people out of the 3,000 or so that we can't find. Yeah, so, you know, hopefully well, it'll be a pleasant surprise when we do find them, find out they have money they didn't know about. Um, and you can also check to see if you're on track for retirement. What they have formulas in there where you can look and put in target dates for retirement and they'll tell you based on what you have saved, how much you'd be able to take out each month and things like that when you retire. So there are, there are a lot of great resources on the site. There's, there's a planning and guidance center you can go to on the site and, and get answers to different questions you might have and so on. And also you can get help with a life event. You know, uh, your, your child going to college, there's some college planning tools there for instance. Uh, a death or, or a change in your life that's fairly significant, a serious illness. Um, they'll give some advice to you on how to deal with those matters from a financial perspective. So it, there are great resources there through Fidelity, who is the manager of our plan. By the way, if, if anybody wants to raise their hand or ask a question at any point, you know, please do so. Yes? I guess for me, sir, um, and technically I get ordained in October, but so like how do I receive my login information? What were you going to answer? Yeah. Yeah. It, it, we, you, you need to actually go in and set it up with Fidelity, but, but you have to tell us first and make sure your church is on board that the three of us, you know, help get it set up for you. Yeah. Okay. Oh, go ahead. I have a similar question, so maybe someone can talk to me later. But um, so I have an account set up. Okay. How do I get the church to be able to put money into that? Do they have to call Fidelity? Because um, my treasurer, she would have no idea how to do that. Because it's like just talk to your administrator, but she's never done that. Anything. Gotcha. What? Following spring. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's, you know, it, it is true, and, and this is one of the things that we're here for. There are a lot of very small churches with the volunteer treasurer that comes in and, you know, counts the money on Monday and, and makes the deposits and pays some bills, and, and we understand that. So, we'll work, Rachel and our team will help your treasurer, get, we'll, we'll walk them through the process. We have an online mechanism of doing it. Once you get it, the software loaded in, you know, the app set up, then it, it's, you go in each month or each quarter, and you open it up and you say, okay, same as last quarter, same as last month, you push a button and it automatically sends the, the funds right, right to Fidelity for you the same day. Uh, it's, it's that simple once it's set up, but you gotta get it set up. And then when there's a transition in your treasure or whatever, 
you got to make sure there's there's continuity there because we do have churches right Rachel that, that fall behind a couple months and whether they're just overlooking it or not you know the, the thing with this is you, you don't get billed your treasure doesn't get billed they have to remember to submit your money you know each month or each quarter however they've decided to do it so that that is important to be on top of if you're uh, you know if you're a ruling elder or whatever or, or teaching elder just just make sure that's that's happening for you okay uh, the next slide on uh, just kind of asking about how much you can contribute okay um, first question in terms of being a tax did I flip the wrong page there are my contributions is there one more before that yeah there we go uh, there are two ways you can contribute funds into your retirement plan one is pre-tax right or tax deferred meaning that you put the money in okay and they don't charge you taxes on that money at the time they put it in so if you put ten thousand dollars in, in a particular year that's removed from your income you won't pay tax on that until you take it out when you retire okay there is another mechanism called a Roth IRA okay well it's not a, it's not an IRA in this case but but a Roth contribution where they tax it at the time you earn it and at the time you put it into your account okay but then when you take it out at retirement it's not taxed because one way or another the government gets your money so they either get it now okay or they get it later now if you know some some advice is often if you're in a very low income bracket right now you might as well pay the taxes on it and then when you pull it out later you don't have to pay the taxes on it when you might be in a higher income level all right. There's different schools of thought on that. Sometimes, as you're as you're older, you're making enough money that you you want to you want to defer the taxes and pay them later. So you just put it into a traditional. But you have both options. Most people are being taxed. I had a great conversation with a gentleman there uh, earl earlier this week. He pointed out to me that if foreign missionaries have like a main a huge exemption on income they've earned, so for them, he said you you want you want to put it in a, um, you want it to be taxed now because you're not paying any taxes now. And then you don't get taxed later when you take it out either. So missionaries should be putting it in a, in a, in a, in a, um, a Roth where it's taxed now, okay? Uh, and then later, you know, there's no taxes to pay. So you don't pay taxes either way. Um, there's also opportunities for catch-up contributions for those of you that are getting closer to retirement and feel like you need, you know, you don't have enough in there, okay? And they're pretty significant. In 2021, you can contribute up to $19,500 to your retirement account, all right? If you're over 50, 50 and above, you can add another $6,500 to that. So that gets you up to 26000 all right, and then there is an additional provision that allows you to put in up to fifty-eight thousand more. Those of you that have fifty-eight thousand to spare, you could send it in there. It, it can't exceed your salary either, so you know there's another dilemma. But we we we, ha we did have a church recently that that wanted to give. I won't mention any names of churches, but they wanted to give a substantial um, benefit to the retiring pastor, and and they contributed fifty thousand dollars, you know, into uh, that pastor's retirement account you know for him as he retired so you can mention that to your uh, your session at some point if you want uh, yeah uh, okay you have to be 59 and a half to take money out without paying a penalty all right so if you're 59 and a half 
you can start taking money out and you, and you only have to pay the taxes on it unless it was a Roth type, type structure. Uh, if you take it out before 59 and a half, there are certain provisions to do it, which would be that, that last line there in terms of, of a hardship withdrawal. You have to have a reason for it, a major medical expense or, or some other situation has come up. But you can take money out before 59 and a half, but you will pay a 10% penalty plus the taxes. So you really, you really just don't want to do that unless, unless it's a real unusual situation. All right, so let's talk about methods of withdrawing as you get closer to, to retirement here. Uh, again, once you're 59 and a half, you can do this. You can withdraw a specific amount at a specific time if you want. There's a form to be filled out, and you can talk to Rachel about the specifics of that. Let's say you want to start drawing down for housing expenses. Okay, there's a form to fill out. You just say, I know my housing expenses this year are going to be, you know, $14,000, so I'm going to pull out $14,000 to use for housing expenses. You can take out a one-time withdrawal if you want. Okay, there are other automated methods, as mentioned there. You can, and I won't get into too much of detail with it, but you could take out fixed amounts at scheduled intervals. And again, you can work with Fidelity on this and get some advice. So you say, I want to take out $1,000 every month, and I want it automatically moved into my, you know, my, my savings account or my, my bank account. Uh, you can do it on a life expectancy basis. In other words, they'll, they'll look at some chart and tell you when you're going to die. And then, then they work backwards and say, you can take out this much up to that date. I, I had a funny story. My, my daughter's a, a financial advisor. And my wife was looking at different pension options. She had been a school teacher. And she overheard me on the phone with my daughter discussing there were like four choices, you know. And, and some of them were life expectancy based. And she must have overheard the conversation. And she's, afterwards, she was kind of all down in the dumps. And I was like, what's the matter? And she goes, well, you were talking about when I was going to die. <laughs> and I was like, sorry. I didn't. You know, I was like have my business hat on, you know. <laughs> and I, I totally forgot. Um, Anyway, and then there's also like a percentage mechanism that they can do. In other words, it'll say we'll take out, uh, you know, one percent each month or a half percent of your total each month, and they'll they'll work it out so that you know over time up up to your life expectancy, you, you know, you'll gradually drain your account, but you won't you know won't wipe it all out. So there are different ways that you can you know basically the, the whole concept here is you've got this big savings account and you want to convert it into a stream of income. And there's, there's a multiple ways you can do it. And you, want to, you do need to plan out somehow to say, I don't want to drain it all early on and then, then run out of money down the road. So you know, there's no easy answer to this question. All right, I think we move to the housing allowance. Now, any questions on what I've talked about so far? Yeah. I was on one of these a few years ago, and there was something about there's a minimum amount that you can withdraw or you should there's a required minimum amount that you have to start to take out when you reach a certain age. It's 72 now. I think it got moved up. Do, do you know by any chance what that age is? 72. Yeah, it was 70 and a half. It got moved up to 72 recently. Okay. But when you reach that point, depending on how much money you have in your various accounts, the government says you now need to take out at least this amount, X amount, based on what you have in, in your accounts. So if, you, if you're getting in that age range, you should be understand the RMD, required minimum distribution, is what that's referred to as. So the government will get their hands. Yeah. 
Is that even okay. if you're still paying into it, you're still paying into it? Probably, yeah. I, I believe no matter what, even if you're still contributing, if you're still working full time, you still need to make those required minimum distributions. Uh, yeah. If you're working for your, the same employer that the account is, you don't have to start to take it to R and I think you do. I don't. I don't know for sure on that answer. Yeah. You you know that? Is that what you're saying? We had some clients that were in that situation and they weren't required to take RMDs. Okay. What if they have other accounts besides? Okay, so those would be, so it sounds like from what you're saying, but, but I'm obviously double check, but you, if you're still working with the EPC, you're still making contributions in, you don't have to withdraw from that account, but you may have to withdraw from, from other accounts you may, you may be holding. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Might have to be a later discussion because I'm going to co-op and um, my money is actually managed by the cooperative agency. But um, I thought I had heard from that finance person that I had to contribute. He recommended contributing to a 403b instead of a Roth, and I thought it it sounded like I had to do it that way. But you're saying I can do a Roth? I'm a global worker. Yes, w within our plan anyway, you you can put it in either tax deferred or taxed. And it's still a 403B, but you put it in um, tax at that time. It's oh. it, maybe it's not technically referred to as a Roth, but if you're t a typical IRA, you choose do I want to do a Roth or, or a traditional. Okay. So with within our plan, you have the opportunity to, to put it in either way. Yes, so, you would. Yeah, correct. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. If if you're overseas a certain number of days a year, yeah. I learned a lot yesterday. Um, that then you you have this big exemption in terms of your, your United States federal income taxes. So you're probably not going to pay any taxes anyway. So put it in so that it's taxed now, right. and when you take it out later, it won't be. Right. So you're really not being taxed at either end. That's a nice little perk missionaries can get, right? Um, okay, so let, let's talk a little about housing expenses and, and how that works. Don't be confused with the housing allowance you have now, okay? As, as an employee of a church, if you're given a housing allowance, which covers some of your housing costs, all right? We're not talking about that. We're talking about housing expenses either after you've turned 59 and a half, okay? If the church is reimbursing you, you can't take that out and, and claim it as, as a as double on your, your exemption there, okay? So I'm talking about after you're 59 and a half and you can draw money out without paying a penalty, all right? You can start drawing money out and using it for actual housing expenses. If you are an ordained minister, okay, and this applies for other faiths as well. It's not just, just Christian faiths, but the provision allows for ordained ministers um, take money out to use for housing expenses, such as mortgage, utilities, um, repairs, okay, maintenance. Uh, you know, maintenance, um, HOA dues, you know, and most of the expenses you pay typically you can take money out and use that money 
toward your, uh, take money out of your EPC retirement plan, and then when you file your taxes, you will not have to pay income tax on any money you use for your housing-related expenses during the course of that year, all right? And I'll explain to you the mechanism of how it actually works. So there's three ways to look at the amount that you are allowed to, to use for this, okay? The EPC says that all of the money in your EPC retirement account can be used for uh, the tax-exempt ministerial housing allowance, okay? So there are some plans that say, well, only 50% of it is, or only what the employer contributed, not what the employee contributed, are eligible for the, uh, to be exempt from taxes. But the EPC says 100%. So right off the bat, everything you have in your account right now, whether you put it in or the church put it in for you, you can withdraw over time to use to offset housing expenses and not pay income taxes on that income, all right? But that can exceed the actual expenses there, the, the, the second bullet there at the bottom. So whatever your actual expenses were, and in the Q&A on the website, there's a list of the expenses that you can use, all right? So whatever your actual expenses were, take that money out of your, your retirement plan if you'd like, and then Let's say you took, simple example, let's say you took 12,000 out of your retirement plan in a year. And let's say you spent 6,000 on housing expenses, your real estate taxes, your utilities, your mortgage payments, okay? Uh, probably more than that, but let's say six, okay? So when you, you'll get your 1099 from Fidelity that says you took out 12,000, but when you file your tax return, you will say I had $6,000 in housing expenses. So it's gonna, it's gonna net out, you took out 12, six was for housing expenses, you're only gonna pay taxes on 6,000 of that. And when you complete your tax return, there's a question, are you a minister? And if you're going to a tax service, that question comes up, and then it walks you through the process. If you were in a, in a church plan, which is what ours is, a 403B9, not a regular 403B, not a 401K, none of those count. Your money's gotta be in the 403B9, okay? So I'll, I'll field questions on this because there always are some. Be careful. A lot of people, as they're approaching retirement, seek advice from an investment advisor, all right? Um, by the way, you can, and I don't know if I skipped over that or it comes up later. We do, you can get point-in-time advice from Fidelity anytime you want because it's, it's a benefit for being in our plan. So you can call them, you can set up an appointment, you can talk to a, a certified financial advisor, okay? And they'll give you point in time advice. Fidelity also, we, we, we set up a service recently where if you wanna pay them a small fee, and I don't remember what it is, uh, they will manage your, your funds for you. You can meet with them, an investment advisor with them, you can lay out your whole financial it, you know, structure, whatever you have, the various funds you have and the resources you have, and they'll set up an investment plan for you customized for you and then they'll just take over and invest for you from that point forward. So you have the, the point in time advice, call them today, lay out everything and they'll make suggestions, you're over invested here, you need to tweak this or that. Um, or you have, you can actually turn it all over to them and say, I'll pay you a fee, you do it all for me going forward. You have a question? I was wondering about that financial advice, is that only accessible once you're 55 years and older and no. is it only for your retirement plan? It's only for the EPC retirement plan, but you could discuss, 
you know, I have this other pension over here from when I was in PCUSA or whatever. I'm going to be getting X dollars from that. So they'll factor it into the decision. And if you have some other funds, they'll factor it in. But they can only advise you on what to do with, you know, the money you have that, the, that they can control. So you, I guess in other words, you can call them for other financial Not really. Yeah, I mean, it, you'd want to have an account with them or it'd have to be related to what you're doing there. Yeah. So the point I was starting to make is sometimes you'll go to an outside financial advisor to get advice, and they're often not well versed on the Ministerial Housing Allowance. And they often will advise you, well, you, you got money here, you got money here, you got money here. You know, let's roll it all over, give it to me, okay? And, and I will, you know, put it together and set up a plan for you and, and invest it. And, and I've had numerous calls couple we caught at the last minute where people were rolling out big amounts from their 403b9 into an IRA or some other plan and we're just going to forfeit the whole ministerial housing allowance tax exemption in doing that so you have to be real careful with with that um, and, and the one time you know I was talking to the guy and he said my advisor told me there's no penalty for rolling it over into another plan and that's correct there was no penalty for rolling it over but he forfeited the ministerial housing tax exemption when, it, when he did it. So um, you do want to be careful if you get some advice. You do have the option with Fidelity, but if you talk to another advisor, make sure they understand this is a church plan, make sure they understand the Ministry of Housing Allowance. And you don't need, when you retire, I think I said this earlier, to roll your money out of our plan. We've got probably more than half of our plan participants are already retired and they're still in our plan. Yes? All right. In your example, 12,000. Where six thousand was for qualified housing expenses, whatever right. those are. If you're fifty-five years Go old, to the next you request twelve thousand dollars out of your plan, and you only spend six thousand, that additional six thousand is going to be subject to not only the federal and interim you know, state for state income tax, but also the ten percent penalty. Well, the whole twelve would be if you're fifty-five in your example, and you took out twelve, the whole the whole twelve would pay the ten percent penalty. Yeah, it wouldn't, in theory it is available, okay, okay? but you're going to pay the 10% penalty, so you really don't want to do that. In other words, there's no reason to pay the 10% penalty. So there's it, no it, reason for a young pastor to do that or to have to pay a penalty, it's not worth Correct, okay. yeah. Yeah, you want to wait till you're 59 and a half before you, but the point is if you're not planning to retire till you're 67 or 70 or whatever, you, you have a 10-year period or whatever there where you can be drawn down on it if you want not paying the penalty and also not paying taxes because you can just take out what you actually need to cover your housing expenses. Okay, yeah. I understand when you retire, a down payment on a house is not taxable. No. Take it out. It can't be, you can't take out more. It is, it's, it's very fuzzy. I did all kinds of research on this, trying to get that answer clear. You cannot take out more than what your actual expenses would be. So, so let's just say, your, your real estate tax are 5,000 bucks. Your mortgage payment is 1,000 a month. There's 12,000. There's another 6,000 real estate tax. I mean, you could have as much as $20,000 in housing expenses in a year. So you could take the 20 out, use it for a down payment, as long as you're going to have 20,000 in housing expenses that year. You, you follow me? So you're kind of using it for your down payment, and then you're paying your other bills during the course of the year. So that's that's where you might have heard that. That's what you could do. One of the reasons not to prepay your mortgage 
so that when you get to retirement, most of us go, oh, I'm going to be you know, debt-free yeah. in retirement. For ministerial housing, it's actual expenses. So if you have a mortgage, right. it actually helps you because then it can be more than 20. Yeah. You, can, you can count all of that plus all the other things that have been mentioned. And so you got to think that through and not prepay yeah. your mortgage because it'll hurt you. Yeah, the, the point... Yeah. That's, that's yeah, it's the only way you can get it. Yeah, I guess you could take out a, a mortgage on the house. You can't you can't use you can't take out a mortgage on the house to fund your kid's college or whatever and then use it for offset housing expenses, if you follow me. But if if you were to take out a mortgage on the house later, you, then those those payments could be used with your ministerial housing allowance. So how would that taking a mortgage out later how would I have to use that money that I pull out? It, it, well, home equity loan. Uh, well, if you look... I have to do improvements on the house, basically. No, I think you could just take out a home equity loan and then there are mortgage payments at that point and, and use them. You, we could, you, well, we'll double check that, but you know what I'm saying? But in other words, I get it. Right now, with the same situation, I'm down in Florida, everybody's offering cash, and that's the only way you can buy a house right now. But the, but the point I was making earlier in the normal market when this isn't happening, right now you're paying you know, 3% interest, and you, you're saving maybe 15% taxes. So you're better off having the mortgage, making the monthly payments, paying zero taxes on the money you withdrew, which normally would be income, and only paying you know three percent interest on your house, you're saving you know fifteen twenty percent in in federal income taxes. Yeah. Um, here's here's just uh, flip to the next slide if you would, Rachel. Here's just a couple of the questions that I'm typically asked. The uh, first one, you know, who determines the amount I'm allowed to withdraw as housing allowance? And the answer is you do. It's what I just said. It's your actual expenses. Okay. If you rent a home, it's the fair market rental value of your home, what you're paying in rent and for furnishings and, and other utilities you might pay as part of your rent. But so you determine the amount. And then the next question, who determines whether or not taxes are going to be withheld? Again, you do. You tell Fidelity when you're making a withdrawal and it's on the form, you indicate I'm using this for housing expenses. Okay. And then Fidelity will not withhold taxes from you on that portion of what you withdrew. And normally they withhold 20%. Okay? So you tell them, if you're withdrawing it just for your normal retirement funds and you're using it for something other than housing expenses, they're going to withhold 20%. You have to tell them, I'm using this for housing expenses, I'm a minister, I qualify for this, and then they won't withhold the taxes from you. Okay? Uh, Yeah, uh, yeah. And how do you designate a portion? You basically tell Fidelity on the form that you send. Okay. So I would advise if you're taking money out for housing expenses that you do that separate from some kind of periodic withdrawal you're using, just as a normal drawdown for for other expenses. And it really doesn't matter. And I hope you catch this concept. It doesn't matter whether Fidelity withholds taxes or not. The ultimate decision on you paying taxes happens when you file your tax return. Okay, and that's the illustration I gave you before. If, if you took out 20000 and you used 10000 for housing expenses, when you fill out your tax return, 
that's when you'll get the statement that says you took out 20,000. You say I used 10 for uh, housing expenses. The net is 10. You're only charged taxes on the 10. Okay, so that's so even if Fidelity withheld the taxes, you would get a refund back from the federal government. You follow me? Uh, if they with, didn't withhold and you didn't use it for housing expenses, then you're going to be paying taxes when, when, you, when you complete your tax return. Uh, and then employer versus employee contributions, I mentioned that already. doesn't matter whether you put it in or your church put it in. Okay. And I already talked about the hardship withdrawals. Good question. Yeah, sure. The, uh how to determine easily, or easily, the fair market value of your home uh, with utilities and furnishings? Is there a rule of thumb to do that? The, you say the fair market value of your home. Are you talking about the expenses, the actual expense? Yeah, there's in the Q and A on the website. There's there's a, some analysis that gives you some tips on how to do that. But part of it is you you look at values of homes and rents in in your area and things like that. To, to do that, but there, there's a few tools in the explanation there in, in the Q&A. In fact, the question's probably there on that, that, that page somewhere. And 99% of the time, that's always higher than your actual expenses, and you're only allowed to count whatever is lowest. Yeah. So your actual expenses is usually the lowest um, figure that you work with. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so this is all dependent on, unless they make a change in the tax law, so, you know, in terms of the housing loans, because that mm -hmm. could all go away. Right. What's the likelihood of that, or what are you hearing about that? Yeah. Yeah, we're, just so you're aware, we're members of what's called the Church Benefit Association. It's an association of probably about 30 different denominations around the, the country. And um, we have uh, a, a legal alliance within that Church Benefit Association that monitors this stuff constantly. So, so we're constantly getting information. It is challenged periodically by some atheist organizations that are just trying to take this thing away. It's been back and forth to court several times over the past 10 years. And I don't remember the details, but it, and I'm losing track of time. COVID's like this big blur. But at some point, maybe a year and a half, two years ago, there was a, a ruling that was favorable again to, to the, the legality of, of the ministerial housing allowance. So. So far, so good. There was some fears at that particular time that there was enough pull from from the other side, you know, that it was possibly going to get taken away. But it was upheld again by the Supreme Court. So, and yeah. How long has it been in existence? I don't know the answer. A pretty long time. Yeah. Yeah. And there are other. I, I used to fill out tax returns working for an accounting firm. There are a number of other perks. You know, are you railroad this and this? You know, when you when you see the tax returns, they ask you, do you do in this union or do you do this job or whatever? There there are other entities and organizations that get tax benefits for various reasons. So it's not like this is the only one. Military office. Yeah, yeah, all, all kinds of stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. When, when you say tax or it's not liable to taxes uh, on the housing uh, expenses. Just like housing allowance, is it liable to seek a taxes still? Or ninety-two? I, I think you're paying the 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 uh, yeah the, the you meant self-employment tax that administrator pays. I'm sure you still have to pay that. Yeah. Okay. So my question is, why would someone do this if they weren't retiring from their church work at sixty-nine? If they're retiring at sixty-nine and a half, let's say, just okay. to make it easy, that ten years, why would someone pull from their retirement account rather than just 
use their housing allowance from the church? Well, if you're still getting your housing allowance from the church, you can't double dip. In other words, if the church is already paying your expenses or reimbursing you for out-of-pocket expenses, then you can't claim it again here. But if the church right. was, were to say, turn that into salary, and you could use the housing allowance or yes. yeah. you know, expenses out of this, yeah. but it would still make sense to do the housing allowance from the church. Right, right? yeah. So this is only if you're... If you, if you don't have a housing allowance from a church, if you're living in your own home versus the manse or whatever, or you, you, you're retired and so you no longer have that, that housing allowance benefit. That's why I'm saying this is different than the housing allowance you yeah. get as part of your salary package. Uh, I'm just, I'll wrap up and then I'll take as many questions as you want. If you just, aside from retirement, you know, the EPC benefits offers the, the medical plans. We have five different choices. We have vision care benefit, we have dental benefits. The basic life insurance many of the ministers get with, with your, your uh, salary package comes through us as well. We also offer a supplemental life that you could buy for a spouse or dependents or whatever. So uh, there's a hearing aid discount program that we participate in. So uh, any of these things are of interest to you personally, uh, for your church. If uh, there's a handful of churches not participating in our retirement plan, which I don't understand why, because they're, they're forfeiting the opportunity to have the ministerial housing allowance, and there's a handful of churches that aren't participating in our medical plan as well. So uh, if you're not, please take the word back. Feel free to you know, reach out to me uh, or our staff, and, and we'd be happy to talk with you and, and you know, explain the benefits we offer. And if you go to the next slide, Rachel, uh, they're just, all this can be found on our website. If you go to benefits, uh, you can communicate with us at benefits at epc.org. But if you go to the EPC website, you can go into benefits, you can go into 2021 retirement plan, and you can find, for instance, the question and answer is there. Uh, it, it's all on the EPC website, and we'll try and make this, uh, these links available through a newsletter and whatnot. We send out newsletters about twice a month. If you're not on that list, feel free to go to our website and sign up for the newsletter because we'll cover topics about housing allowance, we'll cover topics about benefits and other things relevant to our, uh, to our benefits and to our churches. And um, Fidelity, I don't understand the names, but you go to, uh, and there's a link right from our website to get to Fidelity to your account or you can go direct to Fidelity and you can log in and check out your account. But, um, and again, I'll try and make this information available somehow for, for, for everybody after this session. But we'll leave that up there for a little while in case you want to write, write it down. And again, to speak to a Fidelity representative, there's a toll-free number there. You just identify uh, who you are. What's our plan number again, Rachel? Five. Wait. We better double-check that for you. But that's the first thing they ask, what's your plan number? And you, know, you need to have that off the top of your head, which I thought I had, but it just escaped me. Any other questions for me? And I'm, I'll hang around afterwards, too, to, to talk about it. Yeah? I've got one. Uh, at 870, if I understand your Social Security is maxed out, you're not going to get any more benefit by leaving it alone any longer. So you should start taking it. If you're still working after age 70 in church, um, you're going to be taxed on your Social Security and on your salary from the church. Any, yeah. Uh, wise plans on how you reduce that? Like, can you catch up on retirement and, and have the church not pay you this money? I mean, they'll pay you, but they'll pay it directly into retirement plan? Or? Yeah, that's a possibility. But, you know, I, I don't know enough to, 
to advise on that right now. You're right, it's, that's a pretty complicated scenario that, that you could easily get into. And there are probably ways to minimize your taxes and, and maximize your income and, and perhaps deferring money that they could put f in a future into your retirement account. Uh, you know, and, and you can withdraw it out. Obviously, you have to pay taxes on it if you do. But th that, that might be a tool. But I, I don't know the best answers on that. And that's where you want to, you know, engage a financial advisor to, to talk about some of that and what the best way is to do it. But again, just be careful. <laughs> you don't get the advice to roll money out of your, your 403B9. Okay. Anything else? I, I hope I was helpful to, to you all with this. And, uh, and we're, we're available in the office. You know, we're there to serve the churches and to serve each one of you. That's, that's what we're all here for. So pick up the phone and call. Ask for me, Rachel, Kathy, April, the team back at the OGA office in, in Orlando, and we'll be happy to answer any questions you have. Okay. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks.